0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popovich Carmeli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy on News Talk 770.
1: Lifestyle matters, it's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm terrific, Faisal. How about you? I'm not bad.
0: I'm not bad. Good. Um yeah, we've got Remembrance Day coming up. Should we give a minute of silence?
1: Uh, I, I think we'll do that on Sunday.
0: Very good. All right. We don't really have enough time in this show yeah, to we're do both that. both wearing
1: our poppies, so it's good. Let's, it's, uh, let's uh, first of all, talk about um, our show, what we have yep. on the lineup, and then let's have some good conversation about what's been going on in the market this week. Do you want to know how long you're going to live? Yeah. Actually, I do. Do you? I, I really do. I think a lot of people don't, but I, I'm kind of opposite. The more I know, then... I realize how much time left I have. That's, what, that's really
0: what it comes down to. It's an age-old question, isn't it? Uh, doctors believe that they may have created an algorithm to help you determine
1: how long you're going to have. Well, yep. uh, interesting. Well, yep. that's going to that is going to definitely create some interesting conversation. And speaking of interest, how about interest rates? Yep. People are concerned about what's happening on the interest rate site. Um, we've actually got some information for you about our interest rates going up or down, and what you should do if you're a borrower or a saver. Mm-hmm. Uh, great conversation from one of the uh, top strategists in canada yeah um
0: interesting week uh we just finished of course the u.s midterm elections
1: yes and what a what a rally after that yeah and then a a fizzle come towards the end of the week um and so who cares is the question who really cares about this midterm election well is it a big issue um you
0: know I I felt that just getting the midterm election out of the way and the uncertainty surrounded by that was going to be a positive right we yep. did see that I you know the analysts go to work after that and you've got some saying that you know having a uh, a split congress is a good thing for the markets it certainly was reflected in that we of course we had a bit of a fizzle on uh, you know, on, on no the follow-on because of you know potentially rising interest rates. So nothing, you know, fundamentally nothing has changed. We're still facing a lot of the same problems that we were facing prior to middle. Yeah, uh, I, I think
1: it's a check off uh, you can, on your list and say, okay, that's done, done now. Done. Now we didn't can move come forward. Yeah. Right. Now we can focus on what really needs to be paid attention to, which is China-U.S. Interesting thing that came out mm-hmm. on Thursday, I believe. Wall Street Journal uh, posted that Saudi Arabia's think tank is doing research on should. They dismantle OPEC, mm-hmm. so that's going to be interesting. The pipeline with our, with um, Keystone got got paused, delayed in the U.S., so yeah. delayed there so far. With a yep. if you go back to the drawing board on on some environmental and consultation to be there. Yep, um, oil hit, is now in official bear market territory. Isn't that interesting? It went, um, it's down oh, um, over twenty percent, or it touched down below twenty percent, twenty one percent from the peak. Oh, you think it, it's on uh,
0: global growth concerns?
1: Supply, so not growth, supply.
0: It's, it's an interesting debate, right? I mean, OPEC is talking again about cutting. So, of course, President Trump put a lot
1: of pressure on OPEC to open up the taps. Yep. You and I have been talking about this for a while. We've been saying this is not a demand issue. Demand right. hasn't grown as much. We're thinking that it does, but it hasn't grown a lot. It's a supply thing, and it's going based on price. If you can get your oil out... At a higher price, get out there. But then that gives too much supply, yeah. and then you start to see that. So my view is supply side is the issue, and that's why uh, OPEC and other members might start to look at cutting. Yeah, but I think
0: it, there's a risk premium being built in, also on concerns about about slowdown. Correct. So if you if you think through a, a U.S. China full blown trade war, right, and if global growth slows, uh, demand for oil will slow. So you, you know it's it, there's always a fundamental element to uh, to oil and gas, but you also can get these exaggerated swings. Right, can be very violent in terms of its moves based on you know, what the geopolitical pressures and risks are. So it's, it's
1: an interesting commodity. Yeah, so this is what I did um, uh, this week. I got some research from some of the largest institutional and pension plan managers yep. out there. Uh, they get some research they put together. They all start looking at what their forecast will be going forward from 2018 because of where we are yep. this time of year. So here's, here's the analysis, Dave. A conservative portfolio... In a pension plan or an institutional portfolio should expect over the next 10 years, mm-hmm. on average, 4.5% rate of return. Mm-hmm. The risk that you should expect out of that on any given year is between 5 and 6%. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, So you're taking on more risk to get that 4.5%. Yeah. An aggressive portfolio. So we're going the opposite end. Yep, You should expect 6.5% average rate of return.
0: And define aggressive in general terms. So
1: think of it as 80% of your money in high volatile investments, such as stocks. Stocks. Okay. 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 Um, A conservative is 60%.
0: Yeah. A traditional sort of
1: balanced. Correct.
0: Right. 60%. So a
1: balanced portfolio, which is what most people will try to accomplish, will get you four and a half. An aggressive will get you six and a half. So 2% better. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're t- going to take on 14% risk on average mm-hmm. versus five to six. Right. So almost threefold on the volatility to get 2% more. This is a big difference now. Yep. Most people are not prepared for that.
0: So this is interesting. Um, you're you're right. When it hits, most people are not prepared for it. Here's the challenge for people like you and me as retail investors, not as advisors, but as investors. As investors. Okay. 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 Um, it it is very enticing when equity markets go higher mm-hmm. to want to participate in that. Right? The problem is you have to go through a cycle, right? When you're planning a strategy, we always talk about Faisal, so you've got to go through some of the ups and the downs. And I gotta tell you, October was an interesting period. Yeah. Right? When when we saw three and four and five percent volatility in a balanced portfolio, yeah. not ten, like the equity markets or greater if you're outside of the United States. Um you know, that brings home to roost what it feels like to experience volatility, right? So I think people um, have to be very, um, what's the right word? They've got to be honest. And I don't know how they do this exactly, but- It's a gut you, check. Yeah, you, you, you can use an October as a gut check to say,
1: can I really stomach that? Because that was only one month. So we sent out an email- To all the people who want to be registered to see what's on our show every week. Mm -hmm. And the one line that when when you and Andrew were talking last week, the line that was sent out on the email was, are you stressed about your investments? Yeah. Do you know how many people replied to me about that alone? At least 15 emails. Mm -hmm. Right after that email went out saying, yeah, I'm stressed. And these are just regular listeners of our show, not just our right. clients. But regular right. listeners of our show saying, "Yeah, I'm stressed. Right. We need to talk, right. or I need I need to hear this this show, or I need to, I need to you know, get more information." And right. and the, the stress level again. I'm assuming that these individuals are in a well balanced portfolio. They might be heavily equity exposed mm-hmm. because that's been the play, that's been the trade of. Well, remember be, that
0: this is what the last three years has done to people. Is is they have uh, a lot of people have have abandoned their discipline and they've piled in more and more to equities, right? Correct. Which, which has been a rewarding trade until it's not. Yeah. Right? And and this
1: this is my, my issue um, because you're not going to get the timing right. If you get the timing right, you're lucky. And this is right? why it's more and more important to have proper asset dedication when you're receiving income in retirement. Right. And you need to decide how you want to receive that income. More importantly, you need to dedicate assets to separate between cash flow to you. Right. That's one bucket. Right that should not be stock market exposed because you don't want this kind of volatility Correct. Yep. and another, another bucket for growth yep. and that growth should have, in our view is 10 year time frame. Correct. So these types of Octobers yeah. or any type of pullback in the market can be can be weathered the storm because you got, you're going to go through that entire cycle. And I think it's very difficult for average investors to dissect their portfolio in those two types of buckets. So they need to continue to have that conversation with their advisor.
0: Yeah, And when Andrew and I went through that show last week, um, we, we did a little bit of the recap of our quarterly conference call that we do with our clients because you know, the headline was stress and we know that lots of people are stressed about this. The fact is. What, you know, what communication are you getting? So there's, there are deep, there's reasons why it's doing things. And we, and, and if it gets skewed, like if it goes crazy for a period of time, um, we've got to understand if it's, if it's data dependent, like, is this recession? That's what everybody was thinking about, right? Oh my goodness, this is another 2008. We're going to get killed here. Well, the fact of the matter is the data doesn't support that. That's what we said. This is, this is not a recessionary environment, right? There's no data. And we went through the data. There's no data that says we're in a recession. Okay. Now there are risks out there for sure. Okay. But it is understanding that, right? Which when we had conversations with lots of people that were concerned, the, um, the go to is, okay, let's at the low, we got to sell out and go to cash. I, I can't take it in. I'm capitulating, right? Those emotional decisions are very destructive, can Correct. be very damaging. And so
1: on both directions. Oh, right. the markets are running up, let me go participate in that. Correct. Or the markets are falling, let me get out of that. Correct. Your market timing on, on emotion, not on fact. Correct. Which is very, very difficult. I think volatility, like we had in October, yeah. is a, a test to see who belongs in the stock market. And who doesn't? Or how much of your money belongs on right? Strategy? You're yeah. right. Strategy. you're right.
0: you're right. It yeah. comes back to strategy and we belabor this point maybe too much. But how many it's people have
1: important. we said you don't need to be in the stock market? Why are you in it, right? And it's purely a greed issue, right. I want more money, but I don't need it. right. And I say to them, so if you made an extra hundred thousand dollars, what would you do with that money? Good question. Well, right. nothing.
0: Right. So then, why How would it change? change your
1: lifestyle, yeah, right? Right. Some people might say, "Oh, I go on extra trip." Right. But so you're going to bet all of your money <laughs> for one extra trip? All right. Like you're betting. This yeah. is this is not. This or is for a... the kids, I can leave more for the kids.
0: Let them make that bet. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Right, so why take that risk? So you have to understand what your objectives are, yeah. and then uh, uh, assign your volatility risk—the metrics that you can take—to right. that. That thing that's important.
0: And we're going to talk about the. We're going to talk about the economic environment. We're going to talk about
1: proper structure to avoid these kinds of emotional, destructive decisions that can happen at our upcoming seminar on Tuesday, November twentieth, at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Now our seven p.m. session is full. So we're opening up a second one yep. at 8.30. So even though you register at morethemoneyradio.com or give us a call at 966-8400, that's nine six six eight four zero zero, you can still register for our 8.30 session and we'll be happy to see you there.
0: All right, stick around after the break because we're going to talk about whether a computer can actually determine how long you might live. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money.
2: Now, the end is near, and so I
1: face
0: Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Man, are we going to talk about More Than Money right now?
1: Because okay.
0: I asked you a question at the top of the uh, top of the show. Do you want to know? Would you want to know if you could find out how long you have? Okay, to So
1: live? I answer that. Let me ask you. Would yeah. you want to know? No. Really? No. Why? Uh, no.
0: It would. No. It would weigh on me too heavily. Really? I'm immortal. I, I know I'm never going to die, so I'm going to
1: just go with got that. Got you. All right. All right. Let's go back to reality. Now. <laughs> okay.
0: Wow. No, I wouldn't want to know it. Okay. Dr. Amy Shu is a postdoctoral researcher at the Breer uh, Research Institute and also the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute, and she's going to help us understand some new potential technology that may allow Faisal to figure out that he's got six weeks to live.
3: <laughs> Thanks.
0: <laughs> Amy, welcome to the show.
3: Good afternoon, David Faisal. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Well, it's our pleasure. Uh, this is this is kind of an age-old debate and an age-old question, isn't it? About um, would you want to know, right? And um, I want you to tell us a little bit about this this algorithm that is being developed or is developed that uh, may, in fact, be able to predict how long we're going to live or what our longevity is.
3: Yeah, you're right. I think um, I think humans are naturally curious. You know, we we do a lot of prediction on a daily basis that we don't realize. For example, we look at predictions of traffic, we look at predictions of weather. So really, we're just taking the same approach, similar technologies and the mathematics behind it to look at whether or not a person might need care. So RESPECT is a palliative care planning tool that our team of scientists at the Breer Center for Individualized Health had developed using home care data from Ontario. And as you mentioned, essentially, it predicts a person's survival from the time when they start to need long-term support. In this case, we're talking about receiving support through the provincial home care system. Mm. And in that when they, they, that person might actually start needing palliative care.
0: All right. So maybe it's not quite as is uh, George or in 1984, as, you know, when you're born, here's your risk factors, put it in, and here's how long you're going to live, or my good friend here at... So it's I got mid 40s, yeah.
1: Six weeks. Great.
0: Okay. okay.
3: I,
1: I
0: mean,
3: well, I understand- We do have a calculator that looks at uh, life expectancy that's related to your uh, healthcare, health care, okay. health style, and other risk factors, but this tool is de- developed for care planning purposes.
1: Okay. So, so tell us how the algorithm kind of works. Uh, now, Dave's not too strong in math, so slow <laughs> it down for him. But uh, so pretty much, how, how does it work overall?
3: Yeah. So essentially, what we did was we took home care data in Ontario. So this is collected. You know, over uh, a seven-year period, from millions of residents in Ontario, and then we look at other a bunch of risk factors, including you know the person's age, the sex, their level of dependency. For example, uh, do they need help with performing certain tasks around the house? Do they have mobility limitations? The diseases that they have, some of the symptoms that they might experience, and then we look at how these risk factors are related to their survival. So then we follow these individuals up over time. You know, sometimes from five years up to ten years to look at their outcomes, and then using that information we then implemented the algorithm on the web into a, a neat little tool that a person can access through our website and that could be used to predict you know how long they might have to live and when support might need to be introduced.
0: So Dr. Hsu, how how accurate is this at this particular point in time?
3: Mm -hmm. So we actually measure accuracy on a number of metrics. And, um, for example, you know, one way to look at accuracy is to look at, you know, the number that's predicted to experience the outcome versus those who uh, will actually experience the outcome. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty close to, you know, the high 70, 80 percent. You know, when we look at specific risk groups, some risk groups are doing much better. So, for example, people with high risk. You know, our range for people who are, you know, they have a risk of 98% of death in the next six months. You know, we're predicting really well for people who have a really high risk. It's actually for the lower risk group when we see a a larger variation Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, what could influence your outcome. Those are the groups that we're not doing as well as we would like.
1: So what's this data useful for? Like, what's the usage of this?
3: Yeah, so really the intention is to help people have these difficult conversations. You know, this is not an easy conversation to have, whether you're a clinician or you're just a family member caring for someone who's frail. And the idea here is to develop a tool that could facilitate that conversation so that people could have uh, more meaningful planning in terms of discussing their wishes and their needs as they're approaching the end of life. And also, we developed this tool with the policymakers in mind. You know, So a lot of times, policymakers are looking at the population and thinking about, well, how do we allocate resources so that people could actually receive the care that they need? And we think by implementing a tool like this, we can actually predict the future needs of the population and help with policy planning as well
0: yeah, I know you know, Faisal, I think we've had lots of conversations about this from a healthcare perspective. We need technology to step in to ensure, I believe, a um, a high level of care uh, and planning as the baby boom generation really starts to put pressure on the Correct. system over the next twenty years, Correct. right? Correct. We need technologies. so so Amy, is this is this part of a technology plan? Could you view it that way? as a way that policymakers and you know people planning for the next twenty years and this massive demographic strain that's gonna put on the healthcare system, will this help us improve the quality of care, improve the the Canadian healthcare system and what it can deliver to Canadians?
3: Yes, exactly. That's our goal. Uh, so at the Center for Individualized Health, we're trying to develop a suite of tools that could help inform people's care planning. So not just your end of life uh, or your need for palliative care. We're also looking at, you know, tools that will predict a person's uh, risk for dementia or cardiovascular diseases and what are some of the preventive steps that you could take to reduce those risks so for example you know increasing your level of physical activity uh, decreasing your consumption of certain foods like you know going out to eat and ha- consumption of fast foods for example mm-hmm. so we we are really utilizing existing technology and the data that we have collected through the healthcare system, which is you know interactions that we have with the system on a daily basis, and taking advantage of the staff information to turn them into tools that people can use to inform their own health and their their own healthcare planning.
1: And so, I'm going to bring the money conversation to this. Can does this tool and other tools that you've developed or developing help families kind of do the financial planning for long-term care? You know, you've got mom or dad that's gonna that's going to be going through. Um, issues, concerns, Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of want to use this type of uh, algorithm to determine how long you need to pay for um, long-term care? Would that be part of the the process as well?
3: I mean, we definitely have heard that question before, and I think uh, part of it is budgeting for that need, right? We all all know that uh, receiving care in a retirement home, in a nursing home, is expensive. And so understanding that when a person is starting to show some of these signs of decline, you know, this will basically help individuals and their family to think about what type of services I might need in the next three to five years. You know, so it's not just palliative care. Like you said, it would be services that could be provided through home care, you know, home support, and then potentially need for nursing care. And that there is a financial implication associated with that decision for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, this is going to get, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. We're running out of time uh, pretty quickly, um, Dr. Hsu. But I think this, you know, this kind of artificial intelligence, the predictability of the computers, these algorithms and so on and so forth, technology um, is going to become an increasingly important piece of budgeting for people um, as they
1: age, budgeting for mom and dad, as you said. Like, yep. we need to know what that is. Because you make big decisions, right? Like, do I sell the house right. to pay for my long-term care or do I not? Right. Right. That, that's, a, that's a big decision that... Either you have the opportunity to make that decision, or somebody has to make that decision for you if if you can't make it on your own. Right. And and those are big decisions to make. You know? Well, and as
0: Doctor Shu said, right, if you're planning. So if there's predictability about what the outcome is going to be, make sure people are planning properly. Right. There's important implications for the family on on the planning, and then of course there's the healthcare system at all. So that's great. Uh, Doctor Shu, uh, postdoctoral researcher at the Briar uh, Research Institute and Ottawa Hospital Research uh, Institute. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Thanks for having me
0: again. All right. Um, Faisal, we're going to talk about um, this bulletproofing your retirement uh, at our upcoming seminar, and part of that is exactly this. It's a health bucket, right? It is understanding what quality of care, what the cost might look like, what the go-to playbook is in the event that something happens from a health perspective that, you know, adversely affects the family. And
1: technology is coming into play that we have more and more information of how long you're going to live, longevity. <laughs> yeah. May not mean quality of life. Correct. Just means you've got more bills to pay, no matter what, for that for that period of time. Correct. Yeah. And do you have the income to support that longevity? We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, November twentieth, at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Now our seven p.m. seven p.m. session is full. We've opened up another session at eight thirty, and you can register for that by giving us a call at four zero three nine six six eight four hundred. That's nine six six eight four zero zero or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: Are you interested where the direction of interest rates and where they're going? We'll stick around after the break. We're going to have that conversation. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we get asked a lot, a lot about interest rates, right? It's affecting uh, it's affecting portfolios. Savers want, I can't get GICs that pay me enough anymore. It's just a gong show, right? Lots of questions about Interest rates, where they're going, policy, and so on. And so, so
1: here's what well, a headline that came out, uh, let's call it a couple of weeks ago, where it says, cheer up dividend investors. A CIBC strategist is predicting <laughs> an interest rate reversal. Oh, A reversal next year, my Uh-oh. friend. Uh-oh. So let's get this strategist on, on the phone. Yeah. And let's talk to him.
0: Well, it's been such an interesting topic. Uh, great to have Ian Pollock with us, CIBC head of North American rate strategy. Ian, welcome for joining, or thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks very much, guys. Okay. Welcome to the show here. and Let's talk a little bit about interest rates. I mean, this is, you know, depending on if you're a saver <laughs> or if, you know, if you're a, a borrower, borrower. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, we're all over the place in terms of what this could mean. But maybe give us a sense of where where you see interest rates going over the next 12 to 18 months.
4: Sure. Well, I think it's, you know, it's always good to start off with the starting point and why are interest rates rising? Well, there's really three reasons. The first reason interest rates are rising is because around the world, monetary policy is being moved into restrictive territory. Mm -hmm. After years of living at almost zero interest rates, financial conditions became very, very loose, imbalances started to build up, and policymakers, specifically those in North America, are starting to rein in interest rates. Um, Number two is all of those unconventional policies that were implemented during the financial crisis, such as buying government bonds, buying corporate bonds, well, those look like they're coming to an end. And in the United States, at least, they're further ahead than most. Europe will join the fray later this year by reducing their own bond purchases. And net-net, that should put upper pressure on longer-term yields. And then finally, as you get close to the end of the interest rate cycle, very perversely what happens is interest rates tend to rise as investors are unclear whether or not interest rate hikes will continue for the indefinite future. Now, we have a little bit of a different view. We do think that interest rates will continue to rise for the foreseeable future in Canada. Canada, but let's ask ourselves a very important question. Is an interest rate hike in 2018 or 2019 the same as it was 10 years ago? And the answer obviously is no. With so much leverage in the system, every interest rate hike that's delivered to the economy has a much more powerful impact. That's why at CIBC, we have a much shallower view of interest rates than some of the rest of Bay Street, and in fact, we think that by this time next year, interest rates will actually be lower than where they're starting right now.
0: Lower. So, are you, and then let's, let's, so there's a bunch of interest rates. When we say interest rates, people think there's only one interest rate. So let's maybe talk a little bit more about which interest rates do you anticipate to be lower?
4: So we think that when we look at interest rates, we think that in the very near term, particularly in the first quarter of 2019, that the Bank of Canada will raise short-term interest rates. You know, the interest rates that affect my credit card, my mm-hmm. mortgage, and some auto loans will increase by about 50 basis points. Now, we think that's the last of the rate hikes this cycle, but for longer-term yields, 10-year rates, 30-year yields, which really don't influence household consumption, it's more of a business type of problem, we think those interest rates should continue to rise. But in the very, very short end of the yield curve, where consumers are most impacted, we think that those interest rates will end the year lower than where they are right now.
1: That's interesting. And this year lower or end next year lower? Let's just clarify that. Next
4: year lower. We think that rates are heading higher for the foreseeable future, yep. but by the end of 2019, as you get very close to what many are predicting to be a recessionary year in the United States, we do think that interest rates will end lower. Okay. Um,
0: what does that mean for, for the average mortgage holder, as an example?
4: Well, if you were to look at the amount of mortgages that are coming due in Canada over the next, say, two years, About 50% of those people will experience higher interest rates for the first time in the past decade. Now, we had a bunch of refinances in 2018. However, rates in 2013 were very similar than they were today, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were quite prudent in paying down their house. So while interest rates may be a little bit higher, the starting point in terms of what you're paying per month is actually going to be a little bit lower. Now, the, the factor that always swings around is how much equity have you taken out of your house? Yep. Obviously, if you've built up additional debt through a HELOC, then irrespective of what interest rates are doing and how much capital you put down on your house, you may actually end up having a higher borrowing rate.
0: Yeah. So that, I mean, as Canadians, we know, we, you know, we get this data that we are the most indebted probably that we've ever been. Um, and the concern of course, from an economics perspective is that as these mortgages reset in that, that additional pressure, um, you know, for those people on the margin who are very close to what they can afford on a monthly basis, um, really get impacted negatively. What's your, what's your outlook on that? I mean, how, how, how nervous, how prudent do these people have to be in terms of managing this monthly cash flow and potential problem?
4: Well, I think we have to recognize that interest rates are still extremely low by historical standards. And people of a certain age, for example, I am 37 years old. I don't know what anything costs. I've never had a lease rate more than 3%. I've never had a mortgage rate more than 3.5%. Yep. And I think that that somewhat interrupts what you should be doing in terms of saving and stocking away cash for the future. So what I do worry about is that the capacity of the household sector to carry the Canadian economy through the next recession is much more limited today than it was, say, in 2008.
1: So let's talk about savers, because I, I I basically chat with them quite a bit in yep. my role, yep. and these savers are waiting for that 5% GIC rates or when they see those rates of return going higher on fixed income or bonds they're going to start to reduce their risk. Based on your analysis, Ian, are you saying that um, savers may not be able to see that in the short run come uh, come next year?
4: I think that savers should be very cognizant of de-risking portfolios into the early part of 2019, simply because we don't think higher interest rates are necessarily here to stay for the foreseeable future. So while it may be there may be a lot of momentum in terms of yields selling off, mm-hmm. but from a savings perspective, you want to take advantage of some of these interest rate-sensitive products, and lock in a better rate of return.
0: All right. So uh, it may not be the 5%, you know, Faisal, that we were talking about or we hoped for as a saver, but um, uh, higher than where it is today. So 50 basis points. When we talk basis points just for listeners, that's a half a percent. One basis point is one uh, one one one-hundredth of 1%. Um, So when Ian talks about a half a uh, 50 basis points talking about a half a percent increase. What other uh, what other effects so so we're we're talking about this this interest rate move that you're talking about uh, short term higher, maybe a little bit lower towards the end of next year as uh, you know, we get a little longer in the tooth in this economic recovery. What are the implications? What should people really be thinking about here?
4: Well, I think you have to recognize that there's been a very distorted interplay between various asset classes since the financial crisis. And really, that was by design, because when you introduce what was known as quantitative easing, which is when central banks expanded their balance sheets by buying government bonds, credit bonds, and mortgage bonds, what that really did was it took out a lot of risk premia from global markets. And the net effect was it took the stock bond correlation highly positive. So over the past five to seven years, when you look at your balanced portfolio, a typical portfolio is 60-40, you're making money on both legs. You're making money in the equity market. You're making money in the bond market. Now, the concern here is, as interest rates do start to rise, at some point, it does disrupt that usual correlation. So from a 60-40 portfolio, and keep in mind, we did see this in October, The part of that portfolio, the 40% that was supposed to diversify you, Mm -hmm. didn't. You Mm -hmm. had a sell-off in equities, a sell-off in interest rates, and your usual safe portfolio, well, it didn't look that safe to me.
1: And so the last thing that that savers have a concern about, especially clients of ours or retirees that travel south, Mm -hmm. is the foreign exchange. If interest rates, in your view, are going to go down in the short run uh, come the end of 2019, how does that impact currency between us and the U.S.?
4: Well, if you, it's interesting because I would have told you that given what the market is pricing for the Bank of Canada, which is three additional 25 basis point rate hikes over 2019, which takes the rate from 175 today to 250 that the Canadian dollar would have been much stronger. But in fact, the weakness that we've seen in global energy prices, and specifically Canadian energy prices, yep. has really undermined the currency. And it's prevented it from mentioning. So we don't think that the Canadian dollar is actually, the outlook is that bright. We continue to see a very weak dollar for the foreseeable future.
1: Do you have an idea of what that number would look like as from your guys's? Our research? official
4: forecast is a $1.35 cat.
0: Yeah, okay. So that's uh, sub-76 cents said the other way. Yeah, th- yes.
1: Three cents from here. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: okay. okay. Ian, uh, thank you very much. We could go on uh, indefinitely about this topic. I think you've given us some good guidance uh, as to how you see the next call it 14 uh, months, 15 months rolling out and we appreciate your time today.
4: Absolutely. Have a great, great day guys. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Been joined by Ian Pollock, head of uh, CIBC's head of North American rate strategy. Uh, it, it is a a constant tug of war between the borrowers, right? And, and the, the savers. savers. Yep. And um, you know, depending on which side of that ledger you're on, interest rising interest rates can be
1: good thing or bad thing. And more and more people are on both sides. They're also borrowing and saving at the same point. time and so they're getting pulled in both directions. It's very difficult, challenging, so that's where the advice needs to come into play. And, and this is one of the risks that we have out there. You bet. So let's talk about this because Ian said something very
0: interesting. We had a period in October where we had both bonds and stocks falling at the same time. One of the things that we're trying to educate Calgarians on for a very long time is this notion of alternative asset classes. And that's one of the topics we're talking about in ways to bulletproof your retirement at our upcoming seminar. Yeah,
1: there's five pillars to an investment strategy approach that we have. We'll talk about our five pillars on Tuesday, November 20th. At the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer, our 7 p.m. session is full now. So we're going to open up another session, Dave. We're going to open yep. it up at 8:30. Okay. For those who want to still attend, so even though you're registering online at uh, more than money uh you can still register. It says 7 p.m., but we'll we'll fit you in for the 8:30 show, or give us a call 966-8400. That's 966-8400, and we can uh, we can talk to you then.
0: Stick around after the break as we're going to pull all this together. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. Uh, interesting show, uh, really interesting show this week. But so let me ask you a question. Because th- if you think about the the different components of the show, there's a lot of complexity, a lot of different moving parts, and that is true of people's retirement. Correct. Right? There's all these. We call them the buckets. We call them the buckets for a reason because there's complexity around all the different decisions and things that you want to do. Uh with the money that you've saved in your life as you go through this period.
1: Yeah. So we first started talking about the algorithms and how long you can live yeah. and some of the impacts upon long-term care and so forth. That's the health bucket. Yeah. There's also a longevity matter. How much money do you will you need to support your life? So that helps in that situation. Then we also had Ian from CIBC talk to us about interest rates. Yeah. And as a saver or a borrower, yeah. the impacts to you. So how's your growth bucket going to go? If interest rates are going to go down How's your income bucket going to work out if you're going to be on low-risk, low, low interest-bearing type of investments? Yep. Okay, so so
0: this is interesting. There's a whole bunch of stuff, right? We get it. Now, there's a whole bunch of things we got to consider. So one of the things that we feel pretty strongly about is, is going through a financial planning process Correct. with people. And that helps us put some math and rigor around the lifestyle costs, the assets that people have accumulated, the tax that they're going to have to pay in their lifetime and upon passing it. Right. So it, it it starts to give us a bit of a model.
1: Can I can I give you the story? Okay. Okay. So listener of our show called me up and said, Faisal, um, I've got some interesting information here. I've I went to my my financial advisor, yes. got a financial plan. The financial plan initially said I cannot retire in the income that I would like for my retirement. Right. So the lifestyle would have to change. They got a second copy. Of their financial plan because the advisor decided to tweak the numbers a bit. And okay. said, no, no, you're fine, you're okay. All right. Sorry. That doesn't instill confidence. Don't, don't stress out. Mm-hmm. Here it is. So I said, why don't you send me both plans so I can see what changed? And literally in the plan, the advisor changed the rate of return expectation. Right. He went from three percent to six percent. Mm. So what he's saying is you have to earn six percent for the rem- for on average. On average. Uh, for the rest of your 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 retirement, in order to reach it at three percent, you can't do it. Right. And so the, 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 the listener was saying to me, well, "What do I do? Because what if it doesn't get to three, or what if it doesn't get six? It gets three, right. then I can't retire. What do I do?" And I go, "Okay, well, let's let's just have a conversation." And so for everybody who who might be wor- wondering or worried that they may not be able to reach their retirement goals from a financial perspective, um, there are four options you have. And I call this the stew factor. So S-T-E-W. The S as, as one option is, stands for save more money. So if you, are, if you have time before you retire, you have an option to save more to get to that required capital amount to, to live off of. The second one is take less at retirement. Kind of a hard pill to swallow for some. Mm-hmm. Is that you may not be able to receive the income you were expecting. You might have to live on less. The E is for earn more., yep. and I like this one. What the advisor did was increase the interest rate of return or the rate of return on the on the yeah, plan rate of return, yeah. to to get that get them to earn more. Right. What I say is, let's not focus on that. because we talked about what pension plans and institutional money managers saying are the averages for, for rates the next of return, ten years. for the next ten years, right? It's about between four and six percent. Right. This financial plan in our story. Um, high end of that range was on yep. the high end so they have no choice but to take on more risk what if you're not comfortable with that right the earn more is supplement your income right and it I doesn't th- have to be just rate of return on the portfolio correct yes people and, forget about this right? and, and i love the opportunity people have now they call it fire financial independence retirement early f-i-r-e fire in that, in that You're whole, the king of I'm the king of acronyms. I basically, I've, I can't even keep up if you listeners can't keep up. I have no life. So this is what's, <laughs> what's basically going on. So if you have financial independence, which means you can live off your savings, yep. but you can do the things you want to do, which yep. is the independence part. Yep. You can always supplement your income. You don't have to have a full-time job. Right. We have clients who are, who are fire, uh, not fire, are golf marshals for yep. the summertime. Yep. Tons of them. And they make, they make their money in wow. the summer and they enjoy the winters away. We have ones who are part-time real estate agents. Yeah. During certain times of the year, they'll go out and sell a few homes.
0: We have wine connoisseurs that work part-time in wine stores. We have uh, um, Handyman that love the Home Depot thing.
1: And part of it is because of a financial uh, the E for earn more. Yeah. The other part of it is it's engagement yeah, to do something. Yeah, get them and do something. Right? So there is an, uh, options. Do not accept you have to increase risk in your portfolio or be uncomfortable with your retirement. I believe everybody can retire. Everybody can be financially independent, just have the structure around it. So we covered save more, S. T is take less. E is earn more. The W is wait or delay Delay your return. If you delayed it by a year or two years or whatever, maybe what would happen? In this story that we had, this individual never got those options. It was, you're just going to take on more risk in your portfolio. And that freaked them out. And so I think when people are going through this process and you're doing some number crunching and if the numbers don't work, a lot of people do the numbers on their own through a spreadsheet and don't use all the proper variables. So when you go through a process like this and it doesn't work, you have options in front of you. And do not get discouraged. I think the biggest thing that we can learn from this is there's so many things you can do. You need to kind of now... Stick handle your way through what's the best for your yourself and your family, right? And and come out with those goals.
0: Yeah, and you know the least favorite option that we have in that stew is the try
1: to ratchet up risk and well earn more, but try by getting more return. Yes, it's not as easy as it used to be. Well, I think no, what we've not- come out of ten years of good returns overall. It's not going to be as easy as it used to be.
0: But but hang on a second, because there's there's uh, around that one, and I'm the risk guy on the team, right? So this I lay awake at night, chicken. staring at the ceiling. Yeah, I'm the chicken because yeah. I worry about uh, I worry about risk in the portfolios. And there's a mathematical, very serious mathematical problem with the assumption of ratcheting up risk to earn more in a portfolio at a time that you're in your life where you have to draw on those assets. Correct. Okay. And it is a very serious. I, I would suggest to you, in, in fact, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the segment, I guess the, uh, the upcoming seminar, but we're going to address it in the seminar. And this is an educational piece that we've been working on um, and sharing with Calgarians for eight or ten years now, Faisal.. Yep. It's about how we fundamentally believe the rules of investing change, right? And so you you need to understand the implication of, of what risk means in a retirement in a in a closed pension and that's what you have right if you're you're retired no new money coming in your savings becomes a closed pension yep. and there's some very specific risks and the rules change from what they were when you were receiving a paycheck in forty and adding new money to your portfolio you got to understand what those so risks are So if
1: you're sitting down with your advisor and your advisor says well it may not work or here's what we need to do to change it. Yeah. they might increase the rate of return yes. or decrease inflation or whatever variable they're changing. The question that the, 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 the client or the individual investor needs to ask is what other choices do I have? Right. And if they cannot come to you with at least four different options four, they cannot come to you with four different options. There's a concern about, is that individual the right person to, to be giving you the retirement advice?
0: Yeah, th- I think that's a fair point, right? This is this is very narrowly focused on just portfolio performance, yeah. And, and there's a heck of a lot more to uh, to retirement than just the number on the stock and bond portfolio, right? It's an entire wealth conversation, not just that. Okay, I think we have to um, um, maybe cut it off there. We're going to spend an awful lot of time talking about this concept, right? Correct. Bulletproofing it, figuring out the plan at our upcoming seminar, and and we've got an. It's full again. Right? Yes. So, so
1: the the, the seminar is on Tuesday, November twentieth, at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Our seven p.m. session is full, so we opened up an eight thirty session as well. So mm-hmm. register by going to by calling us at nine six six eight four hundred. That's nine six six eight four zero zero, or go online to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. dot yep. uh, and you will then our, our team will then connect with you and and register you for the eight thirty session. On November the twentieth. Hey,
0: and I just want to—I want to let people know that this is an educational seminar. Correct. Right. This, it's not a sales pitch. This isn't. This is about education about around some of the risks that we see. The, how the things have changed, and then some of the solutions. It's not just about the problems. It's about what are the solutions to these problems as we move into this very different phase of our life that we call retirement so um, feel free to join us there's no obligation no commitment it is pure an education summit we'd love to see you we've talked to literally thousands of people now about this and we'll uh, we'll share we'll share with you everything that we do in our in our book that we put out called bulletproof your retirement
1: that's right and and, and we want people to continue being educated and listening to this so you can always access our se- our, se- our segments our past segments on more or get them delivered directly to to you uh, by going to More Than Money CHQR on your podcast on Apple or on your favorite podcast apps, wherever you go to get them. So this will be a great opportunity for you to do that. I think this is an a educational piece that we are committed to educating Canadians about Absolutely. retirement.
0: Absolutely. Okay, thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money. You're on 770 CHQR.